0: Open our spirits to you. And pray this Amen. Amen. <laughs> it's okay to have some humor on Easter Sunday morning, isn't it? I know last week I was talking about Holy Week and how, like, I was reading some articles that said, like, You've got to be on top of your game for, like, you know, uh, Holy Weekend, Good Friday night and Sunday morning. So, Tammy and I have been working. We had a Good Friday evening service here, which was a powerful night. Worship and praise and reflecting on what Jesus did. We took communion together and all those things there. And there was a lot of stuff that we did, planning for that and, and getting ready for Easter Sunday. And we changed the stage around and did all those things. But in the midst of all that, I totally forgot... To do a slideshow, <laughs> so as far as being on top of my game, I'm like reaching down and getting ready to grab my clicker. This morning, I don't need that or anything else, so I'm just going to preach this morning. So, um, somebody say, "Well, that's good because maybe you don't like technology very much, but whatever." So, um, <clears throat> as we start this morning, the the title I've given the message this morning is "It's a miracle, power, and changed lives." A miracle, power, and changed lives. Today, as Jeff said, it's. Easter, but some call it Resurrection Sunday, or Resurrection Day. And all I can simply say is, wow, what a story. I had the opportunity yesterday, I had a whole bunch of little people over at my house uh, doing Eastery type stuff, and uh, as I sat there with my grandson on my lap, and there was a brand new Easter book that came out, which whoever wrote it really hit the nail on the head. It was through the eyes of some bears, of all things, but they told the Easter story terrifically well. And I'm, as I'm going through that, he's distracted sometimes, but keeps coming back to the story. And I'm thinking, this is a good, this is a good story. And I, I mean, I know the story, but the way they portray it. Like, and I've just got my notes here. Wow, what a story. What a story. And we saw that depicted at the beginning in that first video, going from Jesus being fully alive and ministering, and, and from John's perspective, all the wonderful things that were happening, and what God had done, and seeing the miracles, and seeing him do all those things there only to have him die totally die, and then raised again. All I can simply say is what a story and how exciting, and you can actually feel it in the air this morning, partly is because we come expecting on Easter Sunday morning, but also it's what we celebrate. There's life in it. And so having the celebration today and throughout the weekend and just celebration in general for this is great. Um, Actually, there's a celebration that started when Jesus went to be in heaven and after he died that hasn't stopped and continues day and night as we speak in the throne room of God where people are constantly worshiping God and, 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 and calling Jesus King of Kings and Lord of Lords, okay? But there's a lot more than just celebrating, and I want to focus our attention there this morning. If we just get excited today because it's Easter... We just show up to church today because it's Easter and we get excited today because it's Easter and put our fresh clothes on because it's Easter and all those things there. And all those celebrations are great, but if that's all we do, and then either tomorrow or over the next few days or the next few weeks, we go back to just regular stuff again boy, boy, have we made a mistake. Because if there's one message in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's changed lives. The power to change lives. That goes beyond any emotional high we receive today or any emotions that we have which are all wonderful and God invites us to bring all that. But it's something that lasts. For how long? Forever. <clears throat> the resurrection of Jesus has implications for every single person that hears this this morning. Regardless of where you are on your faith journey, spiritually speaking, this message of his resurrection has an implication in your life. And today we're going to look at the resurrection, but I want to start, we're going to do it this way, we're going to give some context to that, then we're going to talk about the miracle that occurred, and then we're going to talk about the power, and then we're going to talk about changed lives. So to give you some context about the resurrection, in order to have a resurrection, in other words, to have somebody raised from the dead, somebody had to be dead. Okay? And that's the reality, and we can't skip over that. Now, maybe in your readings this week, maybe depending on your church tradition or wherever you were on Friday, maybe you celebrated that, maybe you went to a service, maybe you just spent time yourself reflecting on that, but Jesus was dead. He was all dead. Not partially dead, but all dead. He had no heartbeat. No brain function in his physical body. It did a little bit of reading, and I'm not a medical expert, but he was dead long enough where rigor mortis, his body got totally cold and stiff, and he was probably dead long enough that it actually came back out of him. But you don't know when a body dies, whether it be an animal or even a human, they go stiff, but then after a matter of days or hours after that, they start to come out of that. And you can go, etc., etc., physically of all the things, but I want to assure you that Jesus was very dead, very dead. He was in that tomb for, we say three days, but realistically from our Western understanding of time, he was, the, he was in the grave for about a day and a half because they look at days as from sunset to sunset. And I just, I won't even go, that's another whole message altogether, but he was in the grave for about a day and a half, but he had died before they put him in the grave, okay? Now, how about some evidences that he was dead? I can tell you that this morning, but what are some of the evidences out there that Jesus was actually dead, fully dead? Well, the soldiers on that day, they never broke his legs on the cross. In 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 the accounts in the Gospels and even historically speaking with what they did in crucifixions, when somebody was being crucified, oftentimes they died very, very slowly, and sometimes to hurry that process, because it could go on for days at times, they would actually break the person's legs. And that would prevent them from being able to, you know, they would, before they would stand up to pull the, the weight, because if you're hanging on a cross, you're hanging down, you can't get a breath. So in order to take a breath, you kind of have to stand up, and you're standing on the nails, which is a terrible, painful thing. And this process goes on until you suffocate. And they oftentimes would come later on and just literally break the person's legs and they no longer could stand. And it would bring death pretty quickly. In this case, it was getting close to Passover, close for sunset. And the Romans knew because of the, the, the place that they were occupying that they need to have this done by sunset because it was a high holy day. And so it gets close to that time and they see there's three people on the crosses. Two of them are clearly alive. And so they go through and break their legs. But when they come to Jesus, they look at him and they realize he's already dead. Okay? But they want to make sure. So the, the, the account tells us one of the soldiers took his spear and he penetrates Jesus between two ribs. And when he, when he penetrates the skin and pushes that spear, I'm sure he wasn't ginger about it. He probably just went... <clears throat> and when he did blood and water came out. Obviously blood for obvious reasons, but if he's already dead, the blood comes out in the water, which is the evidence of dying of crucifixion because as you suffocated, the area around your heart would fill up with fluid. And so when they punctured him, a mixture of blood and water comes out, which indicates that he had suffocated and was dead. John, in his account, in the book of John, you can read this on your own, he, he testifies in three spots as he gets to the spot where Jesus is dead. He, he, in three different ways, in a short period of time, he testifies that this is real, that he saw it with his own eyes, and he's putting his reputation online saying, I'm telling you, this is exactly what happened and how it happened. Now, you say, yeah, but words are cheap. John goes on and lives the rest of his life. He writes 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He records all of his writings in the book of John. He goes and preaches and tells people about the good news of Jesus Christ. He testifies that Jesus was dead, that he rose again. And late in life, he is exiled on an island because of his testimony. All right? Now, that in and of itself, if you don't really believe something, and don't believe it's true and didn't see it with your own eyes, would you be willing to be exiled for the rest of your life on a remote island because of it? If that's not enough, most of the other disciples, if not all of them, were martyred. I don't know if all of them were martyred, but many of them were martyred. Um, because they claimed that Jesus was dead and he rose again, they gave their life for that testimony. And I just saw this week again, It was you get a lot of interesting quotes this week that come on, on social media and things, and one of them was by, from, from uh, Charles Colson, And if you don't know who he was historically, he was one of Richard Nixon's dwells in your inner man. And nothing is able to stand in the way of God's love and His power that's available by means of that spirit that dwells in you. But you might say, I I don't feel like that. I don't feel like I got that kind of power. And, you know, I don't know if I've ever experienced that in me or come out of me. Just because you don't feel something or haven't experienced it doesn't mean it's not true. I think it would be pretty cool to be able to dunk a basketball. I've never done it. But when I watch a guy do it, I know it's pretty cool because I can see that and I play basketball and I know that that's the, that's, that would be awesome. And watching those big burly baseball players that when the pitch is bad, just whack, and it just goes, not just out the fence, but towering home runs. I was never a power hitter either in baseball, but that has to be pretty cool. I've not experienced some of these things physically in life, but I know that they've got to be pretty good. And the same thing here, just because I haven't experienced power and might of the Holy Spirit or, or it's not always there, does not say that it doesn't exist or that it's not available. There, sometimes we don't have certain things because we don't ask for them. And I'm not talking about Ferraris and and a million dollars in a hefty account or or a beautiful house, all those things. I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about spiritual riches and victory and conquering and all that. Sometimes I don't have and sometimes you don't have because we never do the simplest thing, which is ask God to do it in our lives by the power of His Holy Spirit. Sometimes you... because that's the, just the way I am. Sometimes we have placed places in our lives that are far from alive because we haven't opened the door to allow the Holy Spirit to go to that area of our life and do what only His power can do. I want to go back to a scripture that we read earlier, Romans 8, chapter, verse 11. you heard this part before. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, and now we pick up, if the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, if the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body because of the Spirit who lives in you. The Spirit the Holy Spirit. Ready? The same Spirit that when God said go, entered that tomb with a cold dead body and caused it to live again. That brought the resurrection of a body that we've said is beyond our wildest dreams of what a physical body could actually be and then some not entrapped by sin, not in a perpetual state of either growth or failure. It's in the perfect state all the time in all ways with all kinds of power and abilities that we don't have today. Full life. Jesus, as a resurrected, <laughs> he was fully God and fully man while he was human. So he struggled with stuff. He didn't sin, but the temptations were there. And other things were there. But you know what? When he had the resurrected body, not anymore. Not anymore. All the entrapments of humanity and sin and all that stuff are gone. Full life. Healing and wholeness in all areas of life. I want to tell you that if you ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, and if you haven't, you need to do so. Because with that comes this deposit of the Holy Spirit and this power that's able to do all those things. And if you have asked Christ, that way, and, and not you having to try to figure it out anymore either. You can give it to God, and by the power of His Spirit, not only can He miraculously bring life to things, but He can also give you insight and understanding of what's going on inside of you. Do you ever get sick of trying to figure things out in your life? Why do I feel the way I do? Why am I acting like this? Why do I say those things? Instead of us trying to use this brain in our head, why don't we move down to our heart? God, by the power of your spirit, which you send me to do, can you lead me into all understanding? To know from your perspective why. Because frankly, it doesn't matter what your human brain thinks about why you did it. What really matters is what God says why it happens. I've said it before, in order to have that kind of power, to have the waste areas of your life, the dark areas, the dead areas come alive, you've got to have the Spirit dwelling in you. And that only occurs when you ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. You say, well, what about the people that received miracles in the Bible, and we don't know if they got saved or not, or did they get saved? I'm just going to simply say, (laughs) if I can give you two things, maybe that's possible. Maybe God's Spirit can show up and do a miracle, probably can. But I'm going to tell you, you can guarantee things to happen. I've had the Spirit dwell in you if you'll give your heart to Him. The Spirit comes to do what God has given Him to do, to bring understanding to us, and to come with power to bring dead things to life. And I ask a question. Will you and I welcome that power through the Spirit of the living God, God's Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Will we welcome that Holy Spirit to flood every area of our souls and every area of our inner man? All of Him. All those places in your heart. The places you haven't visited in years and don't like to talk about. All you got to do, ask Him. Ask the Spirit to flood that. Ask Jesus to send His Spirit to go into those areas. Name them. Especially those areas that are dark, dead, and cold. And I'm telling you, Today is your day. Just like that moment at that time when God said it was time, it was time and Jesus rose from the dead. And the greatest miracle that's that's occurred that changed, that gives Christianity more than just a dead Savior, a living savior that conquered death and all the other things. Today is your day. And I would encourage you strongly to invite the Spirit of the Living God to do his work in your heart, in your life. I'm going to pray here in a minute. You want to ask God to do these very things. To indwell us in its fullness, to do his healing whole work, to fix the things that are broken, to bring life and light to areas that have been dark for far too long. But I want to encourage you that as I'm praying, I would encourage you. If you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, if you've never come for forgiveness of your sin, and you know that you need some power outside of yourself, then you go to the the, the best power there is, the most powerful thing there is, which is the power of the living God, and you ask God to give you that. You come to forgive my sin, send that spirit into my life, give me that power, restore my life, Bring life in fullness to me. You talk to God. And if you're aware, as I've been talking here, as I've been talking about things that are dark and cold and dead in your life, whether it's emotions, anger, whether it's, it's, it's even physical ailments, I would encourage you to be brave this morning and you ask God to send His power into the middle of that thing. You ask Him to do that. You by faith and trust. The Bible oftentimes talked about things, and I want to be careful on this. I'll say this. He said oftentimes when he healed people physically, he said it's your faith that healed you. Now, we have done some terrible things, so that means when somebody asks for healing and doesn't get it, we say they didn't have enough faith. And I don't want to go there this morning because how much faith does he say it takes? A mustard seed, the smallest amount possible. Because there's one thing about this is we have to have enough faith to ask. That's all it takes. Enough faith to ask. You say, Well, I think I can ask, but I'm still not sure. Well, you're in good company, because the one person said, I believe, help my unbelief. How wishy-washy is that? But he was being honest. I believe and yet I don't believe. And I'll be honest with you sometimes when I'm in agony physically or something, God, can you heal it? I'm not sure he's going to, but I ask him because I know he can. I want to encourage you this morning. If if you have thought of emotional dark places, physical things, whatever happens to be in your life, you ask God to send His Spirit in that while I'm praying this morning. And let Him do His work as only He can. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for all the things that we celebrate today. Man, Lord, You know how to put things together in perfect timing, and perfect ways, with all kinds of proof and all kinds of evidence and and tell us it's going to happen before it occurs. And then it's fulfilled exactly like you said. And, 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 and in that, showing us how much power you have. Power over death, which, frankly, Lord, you know as human beings, we've been trying to control that and, and, and be able to manage that whole thing since the beginning of time. And we still can't. We still can't extend life because of the power of sin. But we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, God, for the resurrection power that you sent to raise Jesus from the dead, to defeat sin, to defeat death once and for all. And that same power is available to everybody that hears this. And Lord, I pray that we wouldn't look at it for somebody else this morning, but we would come to you this morning and invite that power, the Spirit's power, to dwell within us and to do its work. Lord, I pray even now, as people give things to you, I pray that your Spirit's power would go in and shed light in those areas and bring the seeds of life for the first time in years. Lord, we're asking for miracles in that this morning, that there would be life in things that have long been given up and are dead. Lord, I pray for even people that are bold enough to ask you to touch physical areas of their life and that you would bring physical healing too. But Lord, I pray that none of us would settle for less than what you have done. And Lord, your intent was to give us full, rich life and experiencing portions of that even now that culminates when we see face to face and all the removal of sin is gone and we're with you forever, eternally. We pray that you would do these things. Give us the boldness. Give us the faith, the small amount of faith to be able to get the courage up to ask, to take a risk. Lord, help us to remember that sometimes we don't receive certain things because we don't ever ask for them. And I pray that we be bold enough and trust you enough. Trust your love in us to ask and recognizing that nothing can stand in the way of your love for us. I pray also that the Spirit would lead us into all understanding to have a better understanding of what's going on inside of us and around us. Let your spirit have its way fully in that. And we thank you, Lord, that we don't have to figure everything out. We don't have to have all the answers because you do. And I pray that we let you speak and let you do and let you move and do what only you can. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. And as Jeff comes up as closing, worship team's coming on up, I you might if you've not been here for a while, we've got this idea around the cross here. Now, this is a test. Do you guys remember what all the words were for? What did they represent? Salvation, but remember we went beyond that? The fullness of salvation. You're looking at all those words that are around the bottom of the cross, it was one of those days I went through and looked at almost every Bible, every verse in the Bible that talked about salvation. And in those passages, it talks about all those things connected to salvation. And so when Jesus dies on the cross and he rises again in that power, All that stuff is the fullness of salvation that's available to those that follow Christ. So it might be good for you as we're singing this morning and we we close the message out to focus on some of those words. And if you can't see them real, come up and look at them afterwards. Take a picture of them so you can go home and meditate on them, because that is the fullness of what Jesus did for us. It's not enough just to have eternal life, guys. Jesus did way more than just bought you eternal life. He gave you all kinds of stuff for the here and now to help you walk tomorrow and next week and next month and next year.